it just generates so much excitement. Thanks to the off the ball. We took Emma off your hands. Okay, Karen on the water girl. We're trying to get Karen on as a player. Yeah? <laughs> There's some things you just can't change. Subscribe to the Koi Gig Pod on the Off the Ball app now. Off the Ball Breakfast. Ireland's Sports Breakfast Show. It is 8.31 on this Wednesday morning. You're with us here on Off The Ball Breakfast. Delighted to say that Maeve De Burka is with us in studio. Maeve, thanks mainly for coming in. We were just saying that was a pretty good result for Ireland last night, but we were making the point earlier in the show that it's worked out pretty well for them that they're able to trial what looks like a relatively new system, have a new coaching ticket installed in League B because the, the superiority is definitely there. Definitely, yeah. I think the timing of it, um, like I said, works out perfectly because it gives them a chance to work on their attacking style that we were crying out for, you know, during the World Cup. Um, You know, we were, I suppose, always trying to get them to go more attack-minded and now that you have the opportunity to do that against the lesser-ranked teams. What are you seeing in terms of the differences in attack? I think, well, they've more time to attack and they've more, yeah, more opportunities to do so. But definitely, um, I think you can't understate the importance of Denise O'Sullivan being pushed higher up the pitch. You know, we had two number 10s, um, the, you know, Marissa and Sinead brought in for the World Cup and they were playing in Denise's positions. Now they're nowhere to be seen and Denise now can take in, like go up towards that number 10 spot like we were crying out for. So last night it was it was Denise obviously in that position during the World Cup. It, it, it definitely felt like a positional thing that was holding her back a yeah. little bit. Like, was that understandable in some ways that that maybe when Ireland go into a World Cup they could see the stronger opposition coming up against them, or was it inexcusable as well because we'd seen Denise O'Sullivan playing so well in in slightly more advanced positions in the qualifications, for example, for for the Australia World Cup. Yeah, I think when I suppose it's it's known very much that we've two world class players in, in Katie McCabe and Denise O'Sullivan and I think when you're holding back your your most creative player, you know, in that number you're putting her back in that number six role, I think it's tough because I suppose now it's different as well. They've tied her toll and coming back in the fold. She only played once under Vera Powell and again was um kind of exiled then after that. So I suppose with Tyler being back in there as well, it gives um Denise that licence to go forward and Megan Connolly as well is operating in that holding mid spot whereas she was playing as a defender during the World Cup too so yeah lots of positional changes and um, yeah it was just good to see them I suppose with more possession and, and on, on the ball but again yeah it was against the opposition were obviously um, lesser ranked teams Because we are talking about different tiers here and there feels like there's still a massive gap between the tiers so at the World Cup they're playing very much tier one nations and likewise in qualification against Scotland, Finland, Sweden uh, Georgia are probably tier three so they can rack up a lot of goals. Is it under, is it understandable because the, the style of football is going to become a huge debate now uh, because of the way it ended with Vera Powell and because you know, even Mark Hannum, the director of football, said the next coach, they're going to have to fit in with his vision of, of how it should be played. Is, is it understandable that Vera Powell against those top tier nations did adapt, did play Denise O'Sullivan deeper, did play Katie McKay about in the wing or actually do you look back now and go geez, we could have achieved an awful lot more if we were getting them on the ball in more central positions more. Yeah, there's definitely a, a tinge of that, I suppose, what might have been, you know, but I think formation-wise, um, I think we probably did well. You know, we had to sit in against those teams because if we opened up or played an expansive style like we were, were playing against um, these teams in the Nations League, I think we could have been opened up and, you know, down a couple of goals after a few minutes and 
you can't have that in a World Cup. But yeah, obviously the positional, the the personnel in the positions is is the thing I suppose I, I took issue with. But the overall formation, I don't think we could have varied too much. I think it was a, a decent style at the time. Um, and also you have to see where you know the players that fit into the positions. We've obviously predominantly have strong defenders, and if we have a, a action overload now, we've so many um, defenders if they are all fit. So um, I think yeah, it's but now is the time. I think the team as well is in a stage of kind of growth as well that now they can kind of progress on to a little bit more of an attacking style. I guess we're obviously talking a lot about Denise O'Sullivan's position but Katie McCabe's almost feels more important and in fairness to Vera Powell like the night in Scotland Megan Campbell played out in the left Megan Campbell's not fit then for the World Cup that there was a sense if she had somebody that she felt she could fully trust and maybe Izzy Atkinson was that bit too young that she would have played Katie in a more central role but watching the confidence that's the one thing as much as it's a lower level of opposition Katie McCabe had felt in both games over the last four days went out and said I'm the best player on the pitch here and I'm just going to show everybody give me the ball give me the ball give me the ball you just want to see that now against, against the better teams as well yeah, and that's the thing. I suppose it's so um, it's difficult to give someone a free reign against the the, the higher ranked teams too, because everyone you know you need the eleven players to be in. Everyone needs to know what position each each of them should be in. But yeah, like last night, she in the second half she was just released into a into a free roll and. Um, she had started the game at wing back or right like we knew kind of where she's predominantly been operating but yeah like you said I suppose that the absence of an experienced other like left wing back was probably the issue and you know Izzy has done well since she came in but probably maybe Vera just thought at the time it wasn't you know enough to start her in a World Cup and fairness it's a big um, you know it's a big task but yeah it would definitely be nice to see Katie in that free role because you could see her linking up with all the other attacking players really well last night particularly in the second half yeah, and she did literally say that afterwards as well. I have a lot more freedom, is what Katie McCabe says. And I, I suspect she probably means that for the team in general, not just for herself. But in terms of her own position, is it literally just a, a roaming role where she basically just picks up the position that, that she sees fit? Or, or do you see some sort of instruction coming from the sideline when you're watching a game like last night? Um, I think she, uh, Katie was instructing really from on the right. pitch. I could see um, like the, it was hard to actually tell because she had um, looked to be in the second half be Izzy came on at half time that, that she was playing as a top one of the top two alongside Carusa um, taking the place of uh, Lucy Quinn where she operated in the first half but it just seemed like Katie did her own thing then I don't know whether that was um, instruction from the sideline or, or Katie took that upon herself just to pick up the pockets of space where she felt um, or saw fit but yeah, I suppose against um, yeah, like I said, against higher ranked teams, like maybe you do need a little bit more structure in that. Whereas she had the she could find um, spaces really easily last night. Obviously, all the goals come from open play, which I see as a positive because the set pieces will come eventually when you've got that <laughs> wand of a left foot coming. But it was sort of like a, a set play. The, the first goal, I mean, that that ball from McKay was just absolutely outrageous. The goal was even better, you could argue. But she continues to do things in her career which is just absolutely outrageous and, and just reminds us of how incredible it is to have a, a Ballon d'Or uh, nominee in this team. And it's almost more incredible that she's playing in League B because the, the standard is just that bit higher for, <laughs> that she shows between herself and the Hungarians. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's definitely a step above um, the opposition for sure. And yeah, it's it's kind of great to be witnessing. It's it's really enjoyable to watch um, her, you know, been able to put a show on, I suppose, every time. And she will put a show on every, in all these Nations League games because of the quality of the opposition just isn't, isn't up to it. But yeah, um, yeah, it's good to see and I suppose it's been a long time since we've had a Ballon d'Or um, nominee and um, yeah, it's just, it's 
suppose it makes a change for a lot of the fans who would have endured, I suppose, throughout the years just watching, you know, defensive Irish teams play. And now we have this kind of period of a few months where we can uh, watch an attacking style. Are you surprised with how seamlessly Tyler Toland has slotted in or did you always know and this is just confirmation? Yeah, no, not surprised at all. Like she was always a quality player and then, um, you know, she played, she was only 16 when she was in before and um, obviously then just that the whatever went on between her and Vera Pau, we just never saw her again, but she was obviously straight back in um, once the manager um, changed and yeah, people can say maybe it's because she's getting more game time at the moment now with Blackburn or that, but I think she would have been in regardless. Um, you know, once Vera was out of the uh, off the scene, I think Tyler was back in and she showed her quality player of the match performance um, in the Aviva the last day and then um, just just a really tidy player. She, I don't think she does anything spectacular. Um, she just does all the simple things really well. Does there now in reflection need to be more questioning of what happened between the manager and the player? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's it was um, it did go into it a bit, but Vera never really wanted to comment on it, mm. and I suppose it's it's probably water under the bridge at this stage, nearly because um, it seems that Tyler's happy to be back in the green shirt, and I suppose on the flip did side, did miss a World Cup. <laughs> she did, yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, we we'll ho- obviously we all hope that we'll get to the next one and that, but um, you know, it's definitely not a not a foregone conclusion. So yeah, it's, it's it can be. I can imagine it was quite a tough time for Tyler, you know, and, and frustrating just watching from the sidelines particularly given that she was available for selection um, all throughout the four years. Um, and I suppose new fans maybe to the team mightn't have known the name Tyler until um, this week. But definitely those of us who had followed it before would have known the quality that she possesses. And on the flip side, then you look at the likes of, um, you know, the two American girls who were parachuted in just the last few minutes before the World Cup. Um, Sinead Farley, who didn't make herself available for this game. And then Marissa Shiva, who actually found herself out of the squad and in the stand last night. Um, just shows, I suppose, the difference of opinions between managers as well. You know, and football at the end of the day is all about opinions and um, you know, Vera saw Shiva um, as you know good enough to start in the World Cup, uh, whereas now Eileen Leeson, you know, sees that her place is in the stand. So um, yeah, it's all just opinions at the end of the day, I suppose. Off the ball, breakfast, Ireland's sports breakfast show. Is the Farley thing a concern? Yeah, I think so because um, you know she said that the long distance flights, long haul flights, would impact her um, back spasms. Yet she flew from um, New Jersey to San Diego, which would be the same difference from New Jersey to Dublin. So um, yeah, there's definitely, I suppose, um, a few question marks over that. But I think maybe if she comes out and, and confirms that she wants to play, you know, might kind of put an end to those the speculation. But um, yeah, she also did comment, I think, in an interview um, in the after the World Cup that she did think that this particular um, you know, a round of fixtures with the Nations League would impact in with her um, club timetable. So maybe she already knew that she wasn't going to be available. I'm not sure, but she has the exact same timetable as Denise O'Sullivan, who also plays in the league and Denise was available. Um, so, yeah, definitely question marks over her um, availability this time around. But we'll have to wait and see if she if she makes herself available for the October games. I guess we don't know the conversations that had with Vera Powell when she came into the squad initially as well while obviously from the uh, from this side of it we'd look and say she you know she took somebody's place in that squad who was uh, there the whole way through 
but there was a real quality to what she was able to bring and, and maybe the conversation was like this might be a short term thing actually yeah, this will come could, in exactly. and uh, yeah. you don't have to make that long term commitment but Vera Powell felt she needed that bit of quality for the World Cup Yeah that's it we don't know um, you know like I said we don't know the agreements that took place mm. and maybe that is it's just I suppose the uncertainty and the, the mixed um, mixed kind of reports you're getting then afterwards but also Sinead doesn't start like for her club versus Denise does start so maybe she's trying to get more game time by making herself available for her club and um, putting that before the international games and yeah like I said we don't know, don't know what happened so um, it's hard to kind of comment on it too much um, when it comes to Eileen Gleeson then uh, she after the game on Saturday basically said you know she's got a, a bigger job to do the, the manager's job is not necessarily something she'd be overly interested in um, essentially that, that, that's that been her, her last word on it but she kind of softened her tone a little bit on that in, in the aftermath last night looking at the quotes do you see a potential Ireland manager there? Yeah, it's hard not to, I suppose, just given the impact she's made um, so early on. But she does also have a huge role. I think the development of, of women's and girls football in Ireland is a massive role. And I would see it as a more important role um, long term than the um, you know national team manager. Um, I think the game... Uh, the Aviva on Saturday was the first time we never had a home-based player in the squad. Savannah McCarthy just didn't make the match day squad. So... For me, that's a huge concern, you know, that um, no home-based players, first time like yeah, ever, like I said. So we kind of want to be trying to develop the, the game here as well and make sure that we're um, providing opportunities for girls and, and women to keep playing at a high level. So, um, But overall, I think, yeah, she's definitely kind of, she fits the criteria. She has experience. She has a pro licence. And um, yeah, she has a knowledge of, of the women and girls game. So um, I think uh, she didn't kind of fully count herself out. Her, yeah. her words weren't um, too black and white she kind of I think has left the door open there and um, she said already that she's preparing for Albania so um, you know it's hard to read into it too much but I think she's definitely left the door open for herself And in terms of the strongest 11 available to Ireland we only saw one change in the last two games that was a midfield direct change for Agfa Connolly are you liking the setup first of all the new setup and then personnel wise are there any changes you'd make if everyone's fit? Yeah, I mean, we were just looking at the, I suppose, the defending um, situation with huge potential there. Megan Campbell, um, Nifahi, Aoife Mannion mm. to come back in. There's, a, there's a, three centre-backs already, so you're kind of... Um, who loses out, though, from the three that started this window? That's the thing. It's tough. Like, you know, Caitlin Hayes uh, really performed well, capped it off with a goal last night, hasn't really put a foot wrong, mm. yet hasn't actually had to defend much either. So um, it's hard, but in, in fairness, she's looked kind of the complete package because her distribution and spraying of the ball out wide um, was something we haven't seen from an Irish team really um, her diagonal balls particularly um, out to Katie McCabe and at the Aviva were a joy to watch but um, yeah it's hard to know who would lose out you know we've Diane there with great experience as well but but like I said that the girls to come in as well um, will definitely be putting pressure on those who are already there and you have the option like you're saying for Megan to play as a wing back as well um, just with that left foot so Loads of kind of different, yeah, different options, but definitely it's a new look and um, it's, it's a positive one, I think, having the two forwards rather than Caruso look so isolated during the World yeah. Cup. But again, like it's just, you know, it's the opposition as well. You have to factor in all the time. Totally, yeah. But you couldn't help but kind of uh, enjoy the look of Katie McCabe more central in the second half. And again, like you say, the opposition has to be factored in. But at the moment, like we're seeing a Lucy Quinn and Caruso partnership, are there legs in that? Or should we be looking to get McCabe more centrally involved? 
Yeah, it's a tough one. It's it really is. It's I suppose it's who's playing then out in that wing back role. And um, Izzy did really well um, last night. Um, but again, then at times she, um, I think she played um, the friendly against France when when Katie got injured um, early on against France in the the pre World Cup friendly. And Izzy came on and maybe didn't have like um, the game for her life or anything. So it, she was tested defensively. So. From that side but I think we will see more attack minded players on the pitch in the Nations League but then when it comes around to um, you know to the Euro campaign then we might may see a kind of a different approach which I suppose it's it's hard to keep con- continuity then as well in, within the team but um, it is good to see I think Katie in a more central role because she can make more of an impact then on the game and she's not um, having to chase the length of the field to make like defensive tackles and that which kind of takes away a little bit from the ta- attacking side. I think what these two wins has done for the FAI is given them a bit of breathing space as well that now they can leave Eileen Gleeson in charge for these six games if they need to if they you know if they have a target in mind or if they just need to be patient but like Mark Cannon when he was talking about the review and I think he was actually maybe answering a question about uh, Stephen Kenny and the men's team and the succession plan there said you know my job while it is very influential in picking this manager it's also five years ten years twenty years down the line and when you're talking there about, you know, there'd been no homegrown player in the squad, like everyone's on such a high after the World Cup and but there's such potential for growth in the women's game in this country and it's automatically going to happen. It's all like young girls are going to start playing football and we're going to start uh, bringing through more and more play. Like it's not, that doesn't just happen though is the thing and actually we're starting from an incredibly low base and it does feel as though Eileen Gleeson can offer far more to Irish football in a way in that other role of head of football like we are so far behind in terms of academy structures in terms of offering a professional outlet to players like the players are going younger and younger they're playing probably fewer games for Rovers or for P-Mount or for Shells than ever before they have to go abroad to get to that level and the more to go the harder it's going to be for those that are left behind to ever reach the standard so there's a mammoth job to be done by Eileen Gleeson to try and bring those homegrown players up and to give more depth. Huge, yeah, it's a huge undertaking. It's it's a bit of a daunting task when you put mm. it like that, but definitely, like the obviously the national league is a really good pathway for the girls, but it's just yeah trying to retain them for that little bit longer, maybe you know, especially when I you know the the financial like implications involved. They're not huge going abroad, like um, especially losing out to the likes of um, leagues in Scotland. You know, whereas I think we can definitely provide similar opportunities. Um, you know, um, and keep the girls just in in the the women's um, Premier Division that bit longer. And um, it's definitely good. Like the introduction of the the under nineteen league, under seventeen league, it's definitely provided opportunities. And and maybe that's it that we're just developing them quicker now, and that they're at at a level and they're ready to go abroad quicker. So maybe in hindsight you're looking like that that we're actually doing the good work underage and at grassroots levels to produce the players but it is I suppose it's just um, it's difficult then for clubs who have put so much effort in just to see them then um, you know go off at such a young age like you said but um, yeah lots of different kind of structures to be improved all along I think I'd love to see a bit more of um, a correlation in third level as well with um, the um, you know providing scholarships and that um the FEI provides scholarships for the first time in 2006. I think myself and Eve were, were one of the kind of inaugural recipients of that, but that that even at the moment isn't in place. So things right. like that, I think, you know, it particularly I think from a female perspective, it's even more important to get an education. Um, obviously, male players have the um, scope to earn a lot more money and a living from, from football, whereas I think um, from, from the girls' side, it's, it's even more important to kind of get that relationship between colleges and clubs as well. But it also gives enormous potential to spread the game around 
around the country whereas if Go United have a link up with the College in Galway Sligo Rovers Cork suddenly you can build these mini centres of excellence all around the country like it's remarkable I know you know we're not at a Title 9 stage where there's a division of funds or anything like that as of yet and, and maybe one day it will come but it feels like, like that feels like such an obvious thing to be able to keep players and go because you're not going to make as you say going to Scotland at 18 you're not going to make a, yeah. a living out of that but if you can stay here and get your education paid for it really is a carrot you can dangle in front of players that's the thing and I think it's that 18 to 22 age group that's kind of been left um, in the lurch really like because if you don't make it uh, from the under 19s directly into the senior team then there's no outlet for you to play international level obviously a lot of other nations have uh, under 21 under 23 teams and we don't have that so yeah if we can kind of nurture the girls who they mightn't be at the level at under 19 to make it straight into the senior squad but if you can give them a few more years development between 18 and 22 and then at that stage hopefully they might be able to um, make the step up you know that's I think it's a huge opportunity that we're missing out on at the moment what did happen to the scholarship programs? Why are they not in place? At I the think moment? it was a recession. Was probably okay. the yeah the initial thing that was um, kind of the reason initially that was um, given. And now I know um, Sky give bursaries to the national team players, but um, I suppose when they're at the national team level standard already, then maybe. Uh, obviously it's, it's great to provide the girls with that opportunity but it may be better use of funds if it's given to girls who are just on the fringes of the senior team and that that you know bit of funding might really make a change that they maybe don't have to take on a part-time job and they can focus a bit more on training and that type of thing Sure and, and some of the facilities in the universities are amazing as well and Yeah that's it exactly they're already in place so it's yeah. not like you have to really do much adjusting there you just need to get the right structures in place Yeah all right, very interesting. Uh, you received your cap as well at the weekend, Maeve. Congratulations on that. Uh, what was that whole experience like at the Aviva? Yeah, it was great. It was a really good um, setup. They had a kind of full breakfast on, and we all, yeah, received, went up and received our cap. And it was great to, um, I suppose, interact with a lot of girls I would have played with throughout the years and kind of reminisce and um, then just take in the game afterwards, which was, which was great to see kind of how far the game had come on. But yeah, plenty of stories been told and, and that type of thing. And just really um, a good show, I suppose, of, um, you know, they put on. A, a nice um, thing then we went back in afterwards and we had another um, you know hour or two hours after after the game as well to, to mingle with each other and um, yeah it was nice kind of just to get the recognition a lot of girls like I would have received a cap for each season I played already but a lot of the girls in the room um, from the times gone past actually never received a physical cap so it was great for them to, to actually kind of get that Okay so is this cap going to have special pride of place in, in your home now? It will, yeah, yeah. It's a different, it's kind of a different, different crest on it, and okay. you know, I would add the the older crests on it. Do you keep it, so. them all somewhere? Like, are, are are they as as important to you as medals, for example? Um, yeah, probably more important, right. really. Yeah, they're um, they're definitely um, they pride a place, but I suppose the first one is always kind of the one that that stands out. So, yeah, I have uh, there's a few of them there. I think ten or eleven seasons of, of playing. So, um, yeah, they're they're not all on show, but um, yeah, we'll keep that one definitely <laughs> on show. Yeah, as well as I suppose the first jersey as well as always. The, the memorable one as, as well as the 50th so good stuff yeah. uh, well congratulations on that and uh, thanks Billy for popping into us this morning Maeve cheers thanks a lot that's uh, Maeve the Burke there in studio with us reacting to a great win for the Republic of Ireland last night off the ball breakfast Ireland's sports breakfast show